This is Adam Hill, minister of the Word at Rochester Church of Christ. Today is a great day to study the Bible. As you listen to today's message, I pray that you're blessed as we study God's Word together. Good morning. I want to welcome you to week three of our Created For series, uh, where we're talking about our identity and our purpose. And as we do that, I want to encourage you to remain standing, which you're doing. You are doing that ahead of schedule, so that's good. (laughs) And I'm going to read a text uh, that we've read for the last few weeks, but that I also want to read just a little bit more of it as we study today that we were created for rest. From Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Heavenly Father, thank you for rest. Thank you for creation and thank you for creating us with a purpose. God, thank you for including rest in that purpose. And God, sometimes it is hard for us to hear this message because our culture doesn't put a high value on rest. But God, break through and let the gospel judge our culture. God, may your voice come through loud and clear so that we can know what you have made us for. Speak today, Father, for your children are listening. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So psychologists have known for a long time that we are the stories we tell ourselves. Okay, and, 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 and that we as the children of God, this is one of the reasons we need to continually study our story, the story of creation, so that we can know our story, we can hear our story, we can learn from our story. Now some of you who have been studying your Bibles for a while, You may know that the book of Genesis was not written as a real-time blog, meaning a blow-by-blow, as it happened, written-down narrative of creation in real time. Rather, it's written years later to reflect on the story of creation, to have something to say to those folks. Now it just so happens that when we say years later, we mean hundreds of years later, it's written actually to a group of people who had spent 400 years in slavery in Egypt. 
Okay, so to a group of people who have been raised for generations equating their value with their productivity, slaves, here the story of creation is written. Now, brothers and sisters, I'm going to give you permission this early in the sermon to get a little uncomfortable this morning because you may realize we still do the same thing. We equate people's value with their productivity. We equate value with what we make, with what we do. Think about it. The things that we esteem, we esteem titles and money and cars and clothes and followers and likes. Okay, we're we're still saying, look at all of these things I've done that are impressive. Know that I'm valuable. Okay, we're, we're assigning value based on productivity. Now, imagine yourself walking through your favorite grocery store. Now, I just lost my teens. <laughs> because you, you all don't have, you have a favorite grocery store? H-E-B. H-E-B. Oh, wow, you went Texas on us. Thank you. Um, okay, sure. Uh, no, but no, no, most of the time, you'll know you're a full grown adult when you've got not only a favorite grocery store, but you've got like a favorite uh, stovetop cooking eye. Like front right all day. Team front right, what's up? Um, okay, yeah. Uh, so, uh, you'll, you'll pick a favorite one of these, and you'll notice also that you've gotten a little older when you walk in the grocery store, and you're like, oh, the music is great today. And, and, and when, you were a, when you were younger, you were like, they're playing the oldies. And now you're like, I thought they used to play the oldies in the grocery store, but now it's, oh. And it just takes a second for you to realize they're, they're still playing music that's about that far back, but you're just, you're just aging up. But imagine, okay, so imagine you're in the grocery store, one of your friends comes up to you and asks you this question, it's really simple, we say it all the time, how are you? How you doing? And, 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 and I know I could beat you over the head with that kind of, you know, so how many people lie when they answer they're doing all right? Well, sometimes you don't want to burden someone with your tears in the middle of a store because you're having a really tough time. I get that. But like the answers that we usually give are what? We, we say, well, I'm doing, I'm doing, and this, well, I'm doing good. No, you're not. Superman does good. You're doing well. <clears throat> that, that is an adverb. Well, if you're doing, you're doing well. If you are good, that's fine. Okay, that, that's, anyway. Um, pet peeve, people. The language. Um, so, I'm doing fine. I'm, or, meh. Any of those, any of those are acceptable. We hear that sometimes. That's fine. Uh, more recently, though, there's an answer that I've been hearing a little bit more honestly, and I think maybe this is uh, still some COVID hangover. I'm tired. Like, I'm serious. I, I think more, people are just honest, and I'm like, how are you doing? And they're like, I am exhausted. Fair enough. Okay. But here's the one. Here's the one that I've noticed. Because I pay attention to things like this. I'm busy. I'm busy. You see, here's the deal. Saying you're busy is good. In our culture... We equate busyness with productivity, with value, to the point that it actually gains you some social capital to say, I'm busy. 
so that when I go into my favorite coffee shop on, uh, on my day off and they say, how are you doing today? I don't want to say, it's, it's my day off. I'm nothing. I'm doing nothing. And it's the best day of my week. Like, if I say that, I sound lazy. So I want to sound virtuous. So I might be like, oh, I'm really busy. We love to be busy. I want to show you a video. And this video is, is a sports-related video. Stay with me, those of you that are like, not another sports video. Stay with me because it's not exactly sports, but it's related to it, okay? It's a coach, um, and, and you may know him, and this will be hard for some of you. It's Bill Belichick, and, and, and I want you to see what he did at the Super Bowl 51 celebration. This is the Super Bowl 51. The Patriots have just won the championship. I know this will be triggering for a few of you. Um, the Super Bowl 51, this is their parade, the Super Bowl 51 parade. They've handed him the trophy, and he gets to make a speech to the people. I want you to see the video clip. Did you hear what he was chanting and what he was getting the crowd to chant with him? No days off. No days off. No days off. Go Pats. And we become convinced that that's how we actually achieve our goals. You see, the story of creation, learning our story is actually really countercultural. Because it reveals to us that no days off is not what God made us for. God did not make you to simply work, God made you also, you were created for rest. So in Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3, God sets the example. It says, in the seventh day, God had finished the work that he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. The word work is the same word as the word for workmanship. Okay, so what we find out is that it's almost like an artistic masterpiece sort of thing. That God looks at everything God has created and says, this is wonderful. This is very good is what he's just said. This is very good. And then he rests looking at his workmanship. Looking at this masterpiece we call creation, God decides to rest. Now the word rest literally means cessation or stopping. Okay, God stops the work of creation and rests. Why does God rest? All right, let's eliminate some answers. Not because God is tired. <laughs> you ever thought about this? Why does God rest? It's not because God is tired. All right, um, it, 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 it is not because God couldn't think of anything else to do. So he just got bored and laid down. What's up? I'm good at that too. What if it's because rest is a part of life? 
God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. And this day gets set aside as a gift to humanity. Now here's how you know we're not good at accepting God's gifts the way that God intends them. Is that we looked at it and we said, okay, how can we legalize what needs to happen on the seventh day? We need to first of all establish which day it is. Is it the Jewish Sabbath, which is Saturday, or is it the Christian Sabbath, which is Sunday? And then we need to build blue laws. And y'all, are y'all familiar with blue laws? Oh, yeah. All right. Some of y'all know, some of y'all don't because they've kind of gone away. But blue laws are, are where you couldn't do certain things on Sundays or you couldn't do them prior to a certain time on Sundays because we were protecting the Christian Sabbath. Alright, so, so yeah, there's certain things you can't buy. Can't buy. I, I, you, you went with nylons and I appreciate that. That could have gone a lot of ways. Um, there, there were certain stores that weren't allowed to be open. Um, and, 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 and I remember when that law got repealed in Nashville, all of a sudden, the buckle of the Bible Belt, man, I was down there for college. I, all of a sudden, there are billboards everywhere. You can buy liquor on Sunday morning, and right here. And I was like, oh, okay, this is worth investing in signage. Uh, enough people headed there. Uh, nevertheless, we, 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 we tried to formalize when do we mean so that we can legalize it. And all of a sudden, we started treating it like a rule to be followed, Sabbath instead of a gift to receive. I'm not going to talk to you about the rule to be followed. I'm not talking about having to take a Sabbath. I'm talking about getting to rest. Because you are made to rest. Look at Exodus chapter 20. You'll recognize this. It says, And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents of the third and fourth generation for those who hate, of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. And remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor daughter, nor your male nor your female servant, nor your animals nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. I brought you here. Now I'm going to establish some rules for you. And that, okay, don't put anything ahead of me. All right, I'm number one. Main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Second, don't worship anything that your hands have made. All right, no graven images. If your hands made it, don't worship it. Third thing, don't take my name and misuse it. And that's not just referring to one way of swearing. All right? That means don't claim my name on your life and then drag it through the mud. If you're you're going to be my people and have my name, I need you to act like it. 
All right? And then the fourth, he says, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Okay, so why did God command rest? Why rest? Here's what I've learned. In order to be fruitful, you have to rest. In order to be fruitful, you have to rest. Busyness is not good for us. And there is a difference between being busy and being fruitful. We have equated being busy with being important. You prove who you are by your hustle, by your grind. And I'm not against hustle and I'm not against grind when it's time to work. But my Bible also says there's a time for rest. And, 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 and if I see that busyness is, is going on when you're supposed to be resting, what that tends to produce is not something that is wonderful. What that tends to produce is stress. And a stressed out saint is often a poor witness to Christ. When you're at the end of your rope, when you've got zero patience, when you're ready to cuss someone out just for looking at you the wrong way, you think that that's when you're a good witness? No. Our stress often works against us. Now, I remember when I was uh, earlier in my ministry, this is great, I have coffee with, we're just having a chat. Um, <clears throat> So I, I remember earlier in my ministry, people would say, you know, what are you doing? And I would list off the things I'm doing. They're saying, you're, you, okay, you're doing a lot. You're doing a lot. You're doing a lot. And I would say, I can't rest because the devil never sleeps. That sounds good, right? <laughs> Devil's always at work, so I better be at work too. And I had a saint come up to me and say, why is the devil your role model? <laughs> I was like, I'm going to go on sabbatical for the next month <clears throat> and honor Jesus. It is, here's the deal. It is hard to be fruitful if you're burnout. It is hard to be fruitful if you're burnout. So a few months back, I had some concerns as a parent. All right. Now I'm going to talk about my son for a second. My son, Cooper. My one and only son, whom I love. <laughs> Doing what most good parents would do, I, I, I decided I'm going to seek some, some answers out to a very pressing question that was on my heart that I had noticed going on in my son's life. And, and, and so I, I turned to the experts on the internet. <clears throat> Y'all know you do it too. Like, you, like now. If, and I Google like an old person, and I'm fine with that. I type in whole questions, like whole sentences, with punctuation. <laughs> and, and so I went to the internet and I typed in, why does my son sleep so much? I, if any of you have ever had a 16-year-old, and a, I, I don't know if, if girls do this, but I know my 16-year-old son would sleep. He would, he would wake up almost late for school, barely get us there on time, and then I'd drop him off. He'd come home and sleep for like three hours and then get up and do stuff and, and do a little homework and then be tired at night and sleep. And I was like, how, how, is it all right that he's sleeping so much? What's going on here? Is there, is there something happening? 
So I did my research, why does my son sleep so much? And here's what I learned, um, because sleep is a part of growing. One of the most important factors in growth is getting enough sleep. And where we stretch out our body, when we slow down, when we let our minds rest, this actually lets our growth hormones move more freely and more ably throughout our body so that we can grow more healthily the way that we were created to. I looked further into it and I found out that students usually grow more in the summer than during the school year. And many attribute it to the slower pace, the greater amounts of rest we get through the summer months. You see, here's what I learned. We grow the most when we rest. I wondered to myself, what if the same thing is true spiritually? Because we grow most when we learn to rest. Is that why the Sabbath is given as a part of God's top ten? Look at nature. God made the earth and we're supposed to grow things out of it. And some of you really love gardening. And, 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 and you get into that and so you, you know what it's like to get your hands dirty. I have a friend who is a surgeon but his favorite place to be is in the dirt because he was raised on a farm. He says, I can't think unless my hands are in the dirt. And so, and so he's down in the dirt and he's growing things and he's making things happen. And, I've, I, and I was asking him, how do, you, how do you do it? You know, what do you, I try and grow things and they don't grow very well. How do you do it? And he said, well, you got to work at it. You got to be patient with it. And he's going through everything you got to do. And then he said, and sometimes you, you got to not plant the field again. And I said, what do you mean? And he says, well, no, you take certain years off. Like you can plant crops, but you got to rotate them, the different crops at different times. And sometimes you let the field lay, here's your word of the day, fallow. Say, say fallow. Very good. That means you don't plant anything in it. Because if you plant too many things in it, too often, it's going to pull all the nutrients out of it and then the soil's no good for anything and you can't grow anything in it because you've been working it too hard because even dirt needs to rest. Now the reason some of y'all haven't said amen yet is because you forgot what you were made of. That even the ground needs to rest and you were made from it and so if you want to be more fruitful, you need to remember that you were created for rest. Second thing I've learned is not just, not just you can be more fruitful when you rest, it's this, um, in order to be free, you have to rest. All right, that sometimes we take things for granted, like the way time works. This may be a little odd to hear, but historically speaking, because I love history, did you know that not every culture has organized time into a seven-day week? That's something that some cultures have done. But for instance, if I took the ancient Egyptian culture, which may or may not be relevant, their week was ten days. 
So when God sets them free and when God gives them this command that they are created to rest and he says every seventh day this is going to be your new schedule. Do you understand that following God, being a child of God meant that they had to redo the whole way they understood time. It changed everything about their life. You have to see time differently if you are a child of God. And we should never become slaves to time. Now, why do I not rest? I think one of the reasons I don't rest is because of pride. Because I think I'm more important than I actually am. That Sabbath teaches me that the world will go on without me. Here's what I've learned. If God can rest, you can too. If God can rest, so can you. God says, the reason I want you to rest is because that's what I did. Did you know that the commandment to rest is the first time in Scripture that we are told to be like God directly? Six days I worked, on the seventh I rest, so you should rest. It's the first time it's directly stated like that, that we need to be like God. You see, you see, holiness begins when you rest. That you have a responsibility and a capacity to bear God's image. We talked about it last week by completing the work of creation, by carrying on the work of creation. But you also have a responsibility to rest. When God frees Israel, he tells Moses to let God's people go into the wilderness so that they can. Now, this is, this is amazing. What's the request? I want them to go into the wilderness so that they can worship me. All right? So that they can worship me. The first sign of your freedom is to allot time to worship God. Boy. Preach, preacher. Did you catch that, Kenny? Because I'm not sure they did. I, I, I tried, but I, I maybe should have changed up the cadence a little bit because it snuck up on them. He frees them from Egypt so that they can go worship. You see, the first sign of freedom is that you can allot time to worship God. There we go. Okay, so you start to see how this rest thing works. If you can't allot time to worship God and rest, I don't care what title you have, CEO, boss, grinder. You're not a grinder. You're a slave. Hmm. Last thing I've noticed. Okay, if you want to be fruitful, you need rest. In order to be free, you need rest. In order to live a faith-filled life, you have to rest. You cannot say you trust God and burn yourself out. If God is the source of your life, stop working every day. I asked that question earlier, why do I not rest? And I said pride was probably one of my first answers. Okay, I got another answer. Insecurity. I'm trying to prove myself to others. I want them to think a lot of me. But rest 
helps form my soul by reminding me that I'm not made to prove myself, but to love myself. Okay, I don't have to prove myself to you. I need to love myself and I need to love you. All right, that you, who you are is more important than what you produce. Amen? Who you are is more important than what you produce. One of the most powerful truths that grows out of the commandment to keep following the example of God's rest is that serving God is different than serving Pharaoh. That if you serve God, it is different than serving Pharaoh. Walter Brueggemann, a theologian that I respect a lot, said in our own contemporary context of the rat race of anxiety, the celebration of rest is an act of both resistance and alternative. It is resistance because it is a visible insistence that our lives are not defined by the production and consumption of commodity goods. Sabbath is an expression that says, God, I trust that you will provide for me. In Exodus 16, as they're being led through, they're hungry, and God says, I'm going to produce manna for you so that you'll have food to eat. You don't have to worry about producing food. I'll produce the food for you. So he gives them manna and he gives them rules. He says, every morning I want you to go out and collect what you need for that day. Okay, they're they're getting daily bread. They are living what I would call hand to mouth, paycheck to paycheck. Every day they wake up hoping there's going to be enough bread for that day. Now, some of y'all are more responsible with your finances, but I have been in some manna collection seasons in my life. All right? That, that, that I'm, I'm hoping there is enough today to make up for today. And that's my job, to collect enough today to make for today. Okay. And then he says, but here's what I want you to do on the sixth day. I want you to go out and collect normal, but, but you can collect enough for the weekend because on the seventh day, there's not going to be any manna. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We need food on the seventh day. What am, I, what am I supposed to do on the seventh day? Because we need food. We can't stop and grow crops because we're nomads. We're moving around. But what am I going to do? We need food. And, 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 and God says, I need you to trust that I know what you need. And that even though you're not working, I can still provide. I need you to trust that my hands are still on it. Rest is a deep expression of my faith in God. That God can provide for me in six days what better than I can provide for myself in seven. Kenny, you go ahead and come on up. Because there's one more thing that I want to mention about rest, and that's that rest reminds us of the gospel. Rest reminds us of the gospel. Sabbath reminds you that when you are not producing, when you are producing absolutely nothing, 
God still loves us. Amen? Did you, did you hear the gospel? Sabbath reminds you when your hands didn't make anything, God still loves you. In Matthew chapter 11, all right, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, he writes this. Jesus says this, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus invites us to rest. You were created for it. Do you want to be fruitful? Make rest a part of your life. Do you want to be free? Make rest a part of your life. Do you want to walk faith-filled? Then make rest a part of your life and hear Jesus saying, come to me and I'll give you rest. Now here's what I need you to know. This isn't about guilting you into something because I know that some of you are full-time caregivers. And there is nothing you can do to get time away from caring for that person you love. And you're like, Adam, as much as I want a day of rest, there isn't one. Okay, some of you are parents of young children. And rest is hard to get. And, and you're going to feel guilty going, I don't, I, how do I even do that? I've got to keep them alive. <laughs> The point is not to make you feel guilty. The point is to say, do not buy into the lie that busyness is what you were made for. There will be seasons when rest comes easier than others, but you are always made in the image of God, which means you've been created for rest. Find ways to get a little rest. Ask people for help. Lean into those around you who love you. If you say, I don't think I have anyone around me, look around this room. Here are people who love you. Let us help. This is what the family of God is for. Amen. Okay? We will help one another find rest because Jesus has promised us an eternal rest. Jesus has promised a rest that will continue to well up in our soul. And if you don't know him yet, if you haven't accepted the rest he offers, then I want you to give your life to him today. I want you to come and be baptized into Christ and I want you to embrace Him and say, okay, I am tired of being burdened. I'm tired of the heavy burden that I am carrying. I want to be able to rest. Come and find rest for your soul while we stand and we sing together. Thank you for listening to the Rochester Church of Christ Sermon Podcast. Our hope is that it was a blessing to you. If you would like someone to study with, or pray with, do not hesitate to reach out to us through our website, rochestercoc.org. Remember, you are loved and you are chosen.